Okay, so the last four weeks, Pastor Stephanie has been leading us through one of Paul's earliest letters, if not the first, to the very young church of Thessalonica. And Paul has spoken and given them consolation, instruction, and encouragement during a time where they experienced opposition and turmoil in their community. Now we're going to finish out Paul's letter today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but let's revisit for a moment what has been heard over the last four weeks. Paul wrote to his audience who had turned to God and away from other idols, and although they were suffering because of it, they remained very faithful. Paul was so pleased with their faithfulness He shares with them some of his own self-giving actions that exemplified the Holy Spirit and his life to which they are called to live. And they understood that the day of the Lord, that that meant the second coming of Jesus. But Paul, really knowing their fear of their loved ones who have passed away, he reassures them that they have no need to worry about those who have died before Jesus' return. And the strength as believers in the community extends way into the future of God's kingdom. I really admire Paul. I mean, as a minister, Paul truly gets the people. He truly sees their heart and he gets them. He really understands what their real question is underneath their fears. And he's not afraid to approach it. The one question that they can't even bring to speech. Do we have the security of knowing that all will be well even before Christ returns? Now, like the Thessalonians who were deeply concerned with things they saw happening in the world, fearful of what was unfolding in front of their eyes, they couldn't help but wonder if they had missed it, missed Jesus' return, And if they hadn't, how were they going to wait it out? What would they do? Earthquakes are shaking beneath our feet. Storms raging and laying waste to homes and villages. Waters that are rising, leaving cities awash with loss and suffering. Fires reducing neighborhoods to ashes. Borders that are closing. No refuge, no help. Leaders who spew their outrage and promises of unknown truths. All the news coming in from around the world seems to be bad and hopeless. One honestly would wonder about the timing of Jesus' second coming. This is way too much to deal with. Too much to go through. Death and illness and endless brokenness. The lingering questions of time. When? How? Why? Honestly, if we think about it, our question of time really is a question about our own security. When does this take place so I can get it done at the right time? How much time do I have to get things in order? Will I know if I have it all together? Why must we wait? Now, those questions don't sound very secure, for if they did, we wouldn't feel so insecure about it, would we? Turn with me, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, 
For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, and labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, as a child, I really enjoyed playing hide-and-seek. Isn't that cute? I love it. Now, no matter if I was the one hiding or trying to get caught, or if I was the one seeking who was trying to catch those hiding, I absolutely loved it. Now, I must admit, sometimes in our house, especially when the kids were younger, and most recently with our granddaughter, we play hide-and-seek. And yes, even a 19-month-old can play hide-and-seek when she gets the giggles, when you surprise her around the corner. She is very happy and thrilled about it, believe me. We have also been, and Bianca, you can testify to this, we have been known to play hide-and-seek with our dog. While we hide the eyes of our dog, and after counting, we let her go, go get them. Okay, and they, she would find them. The thrill of it. The dog would be all excited. The kids would be all excited. We would be all excited seeing the, go- the dog just get all scurried around. The thrill, the excitement of playing hide and seek. I love it. I love it. But you know how the game goes, Right? There is, the seeker is an it, and the it would close their eyes and count to 20, giving more time for the others to hide, supposedly, right? Now, sometimes the seeker would cheat a little bit. Okay, I can testify to that. I have cheated a little bit around that. But you can hear the count. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, all the way up to 20 Mississippi. Hey, it's you're the one hiding. And then you hear the, the cry, ready or not, here I come. Ah, your heart starts racing as you're sitting there and you try not to breathe because you don't want anybody to hear you. And you hold as quiet as you can. Now, there are four things that are certain in this game. One, the it is surely to come. Two, The it was coming when they were good and ready and not beforehand. Now, my older children, (laughs) they would stretch out that counting period when their youngest one was hiding. They would stretch it out because they knew the longer she would hide, they wouldn't have to go find her, right? (laughs) But what they didn't count on was that she was very patient, and she would hide in that clothes basket as long as she possibly could and not make a sound until they came and found her. So it wasn't a big deal. So three, 
the it was coming whether you were ready or not. And four, if you weren't ready, well, you'd freak out, you'd throw up your arms and say, that's not fair, I wasn't ready and you didn't tell me. <laughs> now, I will add in another fifth one. You were ready and waiting a really long time in that clothes basket thinking, good grief, what took you so long? <laughs> well, the Apostle Paul was well aware of Christ's return and so were the believers. So very little is said about when. And I can really imagine and I can hear him saying this to the Thessalonians who asked him this question. You know the answer to this. Now, would you just move on? You don't need to know the date and the time when he's returning. So he doesn't address when, but he addresses how, like a thief in the night. Now, there are other texts that refer to Jesus' return as a thief, but Paul goes one step further, and he adds, in the night. Okay, I don't know about you, but crazy things happen during the night, and playing hide-and-seek in the dark like green ghost is creepy and scary. So the thought of Jesus coming at night when I'm sound asleep is a bit unsettling. But Paul, he knows his people well. And I believe he has referenced a couple of things when he used the word night. You know, first, things happen under the blanket of darkness, right? Where no one can see. And night is the realm of things to be hidden. There is this no one will know type of attitude. Night can be really out of control and unpredictable. On the flip side of it, all right, night can also be a place of peace and security. When you tucked in your home and with all those security cameras and locks on your door and you have your big dog on watch patrol. I don't know why, but this got to me thinking about one of my favorite poems, and you'll know it, um, so bear with me. So, "'Twas a one cold night when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse." The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. Dot, 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 you guys can finish out the poem. But that verse, all right, you are sound asleep. Everything is good and well in bed, and you hear a clatter down below when it's quiet. You know when it snows, and there's like this complete hush, right? There's like a stillness when it snows. So you're in bed, and everything is good, and then you hear a clatter below. Peace and security all seem well until we are woken up in the night to some strange sound and clatter below. I know that's not what the poem meant, but, you know, that's what came to mind. Okay. Perhaps your peace and security is found in the more intangible things of this world, like relationships, wealth, work, national strength. But Paul knew how they would interpret a thief in the night. 
The phrase, a thief in the night, is actually wedding language. Interesting. In Jewish weddings, after preparing a room at his father's house, the bridegroom would come at an unexpected time and kidnap or steal away his bride to make her his own. The bride would no doubt be able to see signs that the place her groom was preparing was near completion. She knew he would be coming to get her soon. Then suddenly, like a thief that sneaks in when no one is looking or expects it, the groom comes, takes her away. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds a little bit romantic to me. You know, preparing a place that everything is taken care of. He's preparing a place for her, making sure all is being taken of. Now, that isn't so scary, is it? Paul knew what he meant when he said, in the night. It's kind of, you know, a bit exciting and heart-racing, thrilling, the bride being taken away with the one she loves. Christ is preparing and breaking through and bringing heaven to earth when he is ready. He will come and reunite us as one. Now, understanding the language of Paul in this way does cause us not to dread or worry, but to be excited, doesn't it? Or is it this clincher, when he is ready? I remember when Kevin and I were dating and I was ready to get married. Okay, first I'm, I'm, (laughs) I look at that. I'll explain in a minute. Okay. Um, (laughs) But you know, for whatever reason, he wasn't ready to pop that question. So he finally did after two years, and how that seemed like a really long time in my, oh, heart love, you know, that just felt like a really long time. For some of you, maybe that's too short. Maybe for other you, that was way too long. I don't know. It's okay. But we dreamt about the future and what that would look like, careers and family and children. And it was exciting, and I couldn't wait. I would have gotten married sooner after he proposed, but we both wanted things to go well. We wanted, okay, I wanted (laughs) all the family to be there and all the details to be done just right so on the day of the wedding we could honestly really truly enjoy it. So I ended up getting others involved in helping me and coming with me for the dress shopping and the planning. And it was exciting. I couldn't wait for the day. But during those months of planning and those of you who went through engagement, and perhaps if anybody's engaged, I don't mean to scare you. I am so sorry. But during those months of planning and waiting, life continued, and it was hard. It was during those hard days when we just wanted to get to that day. We didn't want to have to deal anymore with the hassles and the glitches that were being thrown our way. And then the day of our wedding finally came, and I saw Kevin at the front of the church, standing there with his closest comrades, Okay, this was in the 80s, all right? So he was all decked out in his gray tux with the tails, you know, coming way down in the back. Yeah, he he was hot. (laughs) Smiling back at me, pure joy and peace ran through me when I saw him. Now, that picture, I was really hoping for this other photo, but Kevin wasn't able to get it. So it was us kneeling down at the altar. We were praying. And I didn't know this till after the fact. Kate, the man and his groomsmen on the back of his heels, the shoes, 
spelled out, help me. <laughs> so as we're listening, I, as we're in this prayer, I hear these chuckles going on. I'm like, why are they laughing during the prayer? This is serious stuff. Yeah, I didn't know. They all noticed the back of his shoes. Okay, we celebrate our 29th wedding anniversary this week. So good job, honey. So for as much as I love my husband, I imagine Christ returning is way better than that. God is ready. He is actively doing the work, bringing heaven and earth together, planning and preparing. He is the ultimate wedding planner. The Thessalonians, they were in love with God. They were not living in darkness. They were the beloved children of the light. And since they are children of the light, Paul reminds them to be alert and remain steadfast. But he goes a bit further in his point in verse 8. Since we belong to the day, let's stay sober, wearing faithfulness and love as a piece of armor that protects our body and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So not only should we be alert, but as children of God, he has graced us with wearing faith, love, and hope as an armor on our bodies. You guys know what an armor looks like on a soldier, right? A defensive covering that they use to protect their bodies. It's either made out of wood or leather or metal. God has given us that same protection described here. We're only going to touch on two of them. There's more. But the breastplate of righteousness covers our hearts and our other vital organs. And in a sense, the breastplate covers the most vulnerable areas of a warrior, right? Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Now, the helmet protects the brain, basically our minds and what we're thinking. And it is because of salvation that our minds can be really sound. A helmet can also serve as a signifier. So they would do a special little personalized, if you will, emblem on the front of their helmets. This would signify, you know, when the enemy looked at them, they would know who they belonged to, what kingship, what realm. In this regard, the cross, we belong to Christ. We carry with us the seal of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So why protect ourselves? You know, as well as I do, living a Christian life or even a non-Christian life does not come without its struggles and pain and temptations and challenges. But as a believer in Christ... God has given us that breastplate and helmet to help us along our journey. He knows we're going to be dealing with some tough and ugly stuff. He knows we're going to be attacked from all sides, that we're going to question certain things of this world. And he, as our protector, is placing us with an armor of things to beat down evil, to break through closer to heaven. 
God himself is giving us added protection until the day when both heaven and earth are complete. God is looking out for us, providing extra protection, the armor that is needed. This is not a God who wants us to break apart and fall further from his kingdom. He is a God who is leading us, encouraging us, loving us into his kingdom. So what do we need to do in addition to wearing the armor? We got to pull up our bootstraps and go. We walk together during the hard days. We go and encourage those who are broken. We share love to those who are not lovable. We build each other up. We aid those who need help. We sit with the lonely. We grieve with those who grieve. And those who are having a hard time pulling up their bootstraps, we walk alongside them too with the same armor of God. We show, we demonstrate, we provide hope, show love, and encourage them in faith. We participate now in the kingdom of God, not somewhere down in the future. Now. We come to battle against the sin of this world and embrace the armor he has given us and go and do until he returns. Now, God didn't intend for us to suffer his wrath, honestly, but rather to possess salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what exactly does possessing salvation look like? It's really simple. Faith, for one. Faith that has led many to discerning God. Love, that embodies faith in actions, both within our Christian community and beyond. And hope in the expectation of Jesus' return. Now, I know I've heard some people say, that's way too hard. I can't even do that. Well, I have news for you. You're not going to do it alone. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our shepherd is here with us, and we, you, are not alone. He is not abandoning us. God is everywhere. He is with us through the dark times, through the temptations, through the grief and the pain. And at times, he even carries us through all of that. As a bride waits for her groom, the anticipation, the excitement that is in store, we don't wait idly by for our wedding day either. We prepare and plan and keep ourselves busy for the day. As it was read earlier in Matthew 25, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. We are on that journey. God's entrusted us. 
While Jesus is not present, he has given us his valued property. He has given us the responsibility to take care of things, to look after what he loves. He hasn't left us empty-handed either. He's given us the resources of the kingdom, and he expects us to be actively engaged alongside of him in his work. That work within the kingdom is to be expanded way beyond our scope of understanding. So we're not going to understand things or we're not going to have meaning to all things that come our way. We just can't think like God does. But we have to have trust and faith and hope and love. We, you, have been given resources, whether that is time, your talents, or honestly your experiences. Your story can be a resource for us to use for the building of the kingdom. You also carry with you faith, love, and hope. That salvation armor. Lay it down all at his feet and move. Worship team, you're welcome to come up. The bridegroom, he is completing the room. He is breaking heaven and earth in. Don't stand around merely waiting for the day. Participate and be a part of the wedding party. Jesus is coming back to restore, redeem, and to establish his kingdom here on earth. Like a thief in the night or the bridegroom coming for his bride, are you secure and knowing all will be well? God is doing a beautiful thing. As Paul reminds us, the groom who will return to his bride comes not to bring wrath, but rescue and salvation. He is ready. Life is coming back to the beautiful thing he created from the beginning. God is shaping and rebuilding as we speak. Remain awake, alert, and live from a place of faith, love, and hope till the day of his return. There is security in him till that day he returns. May you extend your hands out for your benediction. Fellow citizens of God's creation, May you go with God's full armor, knowing he never leaves you. Participate in his kingdom of heaven and earth breaking in. Go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.